0: to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, right here on TalkingAlternative.com. And I want to thank you all for tuning in today, and if you tuned in last week, you got a, a great show with Dr. Louis Puentendora. He is a assistant professor at UNLV, and we talked all about uh, the safety and when and when not to use spinal manipulation, and sort of integrating everything into what he calls the entire package, and that physical therapists are uniquely qualified to deliver this package, which is... Uh, Manual care Neuroscience and pain education Along with exercise And that kind of having these Three elements Into your treatments Are more likely to have a successful Outcome with your patients So if you miss that you can go to the the Healthy, wealthy and smart page Right here on talkingalternative.com Or you can go to iTunes to the podcast Section Uh, Just search Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, and you'll be able to listen to that and all the rest of the episodes. So You can subscribe to the podcast, and uh, good news, it is free. So everybody likes free stuff, so you can get all this great free information on how to live pain-free, on how to uh, make healthy lifestyle choices and learn a lot about physical therapy and what we do. And, you know, to that point today... I'm happy to have on uh, a great physical therapist from right here in New York City. She is no stranger to this program she was on a couple of months ago when we were talking about Parkinson's disease and she is back today to talk about multiple sclerosis or MS and she is physical therapist Estelle Gallo she received her doctorate degree in physical therapy from NYU in 2001 and her college degree in France in physical education in 1996 she has worked at NYU since 2001 in the settings of acute care, adult inpatient rehab, vestibular therapy, and she has been in the outpatient PT department since 2007 and has been a clinical specialist in neurology since 2009, and she is certified as a clinical specialist in neurology from the American Physical Therapy Association. So, Estelle, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you for having me again. Of
0: course, of course. I think the when you were here before and we did the talk on Parkinson's, I thought it, was, it went incredibly well well and we got some great feedback and and so i'm very happy to have you back on to talk about multiple sclerosis multiple sclerosis mm-hmm. or and, and and throughout the show we'll just say ms yeah, because it's, to easier, keep, yeah. it's much easier so mm-hmm. um, so let's start out with a uh, so very basic question and well we'll say basic and broad
1: yeah. but what is ms MS is a chronic uh, illness of uh, your neurological system. It attacks um, a specific part of your central nervous system. Again, your central nervous system is your brain, your spinal cord, and in the case of MS, it includes also the uh, optic nerves. And what it does, it uh, attacks the the myelin. Mm -hmm. And uh, the myelin is uh, some fatty uh, tissue that's uh, that's around uh, the nerves, so it you know damages just the specific uh, fatty uh, tissue that's uh, that's around uh, the nerves. And one of my a, I have a patient
0: who has MS, and she said that uh, talking about the myelin sheath and how it's disturbed, that one doctor said to her, it's kind of like when you have just um, a, a wire. Attached to an outlet or a plug and, and, you know, let's say like I think she used like a mouse eats away at the outside of the wire. And so that you see sort of the exposed filament in yeah. it, and that's kind of like the myelin sheath. Would you kind of agree with yeah, that?
1: Yeah, no, no, exactly. That's the best analogy. for You You can picture your nerve as an electrical wire. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the axon would be the, the copper wire, and then the, the myelin would just be the insulation that mm-hmm. you, uh, you have around the, the wire. So here, you know, it seems like it's minimal, but it has significant uh, impact. It's just, you know, damaging this... Um, insulation uh, layer around, uh, around the nerve. Sometimes though, the damage can be so severe that it might damage the, the nerve, but really most of the time it's just damaging this myelin sheath that's just this fatty tissue that's around the, the nerve. And what does it do? What is the point of this, the myelin sheet? So the, the myelin sheath, really what it does, it helps for the information to travel faster. So that's really what it does and it seems like it's not that significant but it is very significant and uh, one analogy that you could use is you know with your smartphone mm-hmm. and you know when you have your f- smartphone that instead of running on the 4G network it's stuck on the edge network or on oh. old and it's nothing is working well and, and you're like it takes like, forever it takes for five to yeah exactly and everything else So oh, just the information is really traveling very very slowly and not very well and you have a lot of interference it's just running very very slow and and that leads to different type of problems as well.
0: Right. And, and you know, when we were talking about, well, maybe we'll kind of get into this in the next segment, but during our Parkinson's talk, mm-hmm. um, the thing that I, that you said that has always kind of stuck with me is it's not that they can't move. It's that they have trouble initiating movement. Mm-hmm. So with MS, do they have trouble initiating? Is it that they just simply cannot move? Or I know that's kind of a really broad question, and there's probably a bazillion answers to that.
1: Yeah. But. So, you know, with Parkinson's disease, it was a little bit more clear cut. Mm-hmm. With, uh, with MS, uh, the symptoms that you can have are so uh, diverse. And in the case of MS, though, sometimes they do lose their ability to uh, to move. It can lead to some par- Paralysis, mm-hmm. uh, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, mostly significant uh, weakness, spasticity. So indeed, in the in the case of MS, there are times the ability to move. Uh, can be uh, lost or significantly uh, impaired, and we can go further in details into all the different symptoms that people can have with uh, with MS.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think what we'll do is we're going to take a little break now, and when we get back into the next segment, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, different symptoms, and maybe we'll talk about uh, symptoms that may lead to the diagnosis as well. Sure. So, um, everyone, stay tuned, and we'll be right back.
2: Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
3: Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, The Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183 That's 212-721-8183 The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better
4: business people. Are you fed up with talking points rhetoric? Every way you turn, it's left or right spin. Ideology, no reality. In fact, it's ideology over intellect. No more. It's time for the truth. Join me, Larry Sharp, a.k.a. the Neosage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, for the Ivory Tower radio program. In the Ivory Tower, we'll discuss what's important to you, society, politics, business, and family. It's provocative talk for the realist and the skeptic who want to know what's really going on, what does it mean, and what can be done about it. So gain special access to the Ivory Tower and listen to me, Larry Sharp, your Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11, New York time. Go to ivorytowerradio.com for details. That's ivorytowerradio.com. The Ivory Tower is a great place to visit for both entertainment and education. Listen in, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11. It will make you smarter.
3: Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at Talking Alternative.
0: Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by NYU physical therapist and neurology clinical specialist, Estelle Gallo. And today we are focusing the show on multiple sclerosis, or MS. And so in the last segment, we sort of talked about what MS is. So now we're going to talk more about the what initial signs and symptoms people may have and how that diagnosis is made. So let's start out, Estelle. What are are some examples of some initial signs and symptoms that people may experience?
1: Yeah, the early signs, the signs and symptoms that people can experience the, the first time can be very, very diverse. And again, when people say they have MS, I, I feel bad because it can be everything and and anything. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing for the, the first initial symptoms, the first, because what's the characteristic of MS? It's people experience attacks. So they have an attack, then usually they, they recover. That's the most common uh, scenario. And so the initial attack, so the first time they get some symptoms, that can just be some visual symptoms. They can just have like a blurry uh, vision, or they can also simply just feel a little bit dizzy. Or it can be just one side of their body suddenly felt extremely weak. Or it can be both legs felt extremely uh, weak. It all depends which part of the central nervous system is uh, damaged mm-hmm. uh, by this uh, by this attack? You know so what
0: sort of which nerves where that myelin yeah. sheath like we said that fatty insulation yeah. is damaged depends on where you're going to find those symptoms
1: yeah exactly symptoms. according to which part of your central nervous system which part of your brain which part of your spinal cord uh, nerves which which nerves are damaged by this specific uh, mm-hmm. attack will result in different type of, uh, of symptoms but mm-hmm. it can be very simple like very even people might not necessarily acknowledge it you know just feeling it right I don't want then anyone who feels dizzy? To just right. run to their neurologist, but it can just be people, especially young women. You know, feeling a little bit dizzy. It mm-hmm. can be one of their first uh, signs. And recently, I uh, I saw. Um, Uh, a patient, and I asked her when she was initially diagnosed with uh, MS, and she said, oh, 10, 15 years, but as she was recollecting her her life and different symptoms, she said, I probably had it way, way before, but people didn't, you know, I had those symptoms, and it went away, and nobody necessarily paid attention.
0: Yeah, and I've I've heard that as well, like, I've had patients who, you know, they've said, you know, I had tingling and things like that in my legs, but I was pregnant at the time, so I Mm -hmm. thought, oh, it's just sciatica yeah, where the baby's yeah. sitting and she had mentioned it to the doctor and the doctor's like oh the baby's probably just sitting on, on a nerve and it's causing yeah. this but you know she said in retrospect she was diagnosed but had probably had but, yeah. the MS many many years before yeah, so I, I think don't know that if that's common
1: I or? think it is common yeah because especially the, the, the most common type of uh, MS is what we call relapse remitting so mm-hmm. people have attacks and I mean and sometimes those attacks resolve spontaneously sometimes it doesn't so that's when people have to go to to the hospital, but they have full recovery. Mm -hmm. So people might just uh, ignore those first signs and uh, and symptoms. But I think it is very common Mm -hmm. for people to be diagnosed later on and say, but in the past I've had those and people didn't know what it was. I recovered and, you know, people didn't think anything of those symptoms. Right, right. So the symptoms are kind of so minor. Sometimes can be minor. Sometimes can be minor. Yes. Really, that's why, you know, there's not just one course of MS and people can listen to this show. And say, this is not me at all yeah. And everything and anything is, uh, is Possible with, uh, with MS This is a very uh, unfair uh, It is very illness. unfair yeah. and, uh, But it is also a very chronic illness People live with MS like pretty much A normal life span mm-hmm. So that's also important to know as well
0: Right and, and let's talk about uh, The diagnosis Itself so how is Ultimately you go let's say you go To your doctor are there tests Are there diagnostic tests blood tests, and it, how is that diagnosis made?
1: So, the, the diagnosis, again, you know, it's not like a clear-cut diagnosis, mm-hmm. boom, you do a test, and you know, and this, is, there, this right. is MS, you know. First of all, uh, the main, the, the, the physicians who really can make the diagnosis are called neurologists, because they're the specialist in uh, the neurological uh, system. And usually the first thing they'll do, they'll have a, a, they'll do, like, a medical history, try to understand the patient's uh, history, uh, symptoms, where they have Symptoms and it gets better. Symptoms again—that can be one sign. They'll do also a thorough uh, neurological examination to see how the neurological system is uh, is working, and indeed, then you can uh, uh, do uh, an MRI. But sometimes, especially in the early stages of MS, the MRI might not show anything because you're it, doing an, a brain MRI. Yes, MRI of the brain and the spinal cord as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, if uh, you've had uh, MS, you may have some. Uh, what we call plaques that they'll show on the on the MRI, like scarring tissue of the scarring of the myelin. Yeah, okay. but not everybody shows uh, those. Then also something else that you can do because remember, you know, it damages your, your myelin that helps for the information to travel faster. So there is a test called the sensory evoked potential that measures the speed at which sensory information travels. So that can be a very sensitive test, especially at the at the beginning, mm-hmm. and especially they do a visual evoked potential to actually look at how fast the visual information is traveling. Well, so that can be a sensitive uh, test as well to, uh, to do in the early uh, stages of the, of the condition. And then there's an, another test that they can do is uh, analyzing the cerebrospinal fluid. Okay. They might find something. So it's a combination of things uh-huh. because there can be also many other type of uh, medical illness that can be causing similar uh, symptoms. Sure. So it's a combination sure. of uh, tests. Combination of tests. And that makes a lot of sense. Yes.
0: Um, And, you know, again, I know MS is an autoimmune disorder.
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: Um, Have they pinpointed or or even have any thoughts on what can lead to
1: causing MS? Again, they're not, they're working on, I mean, and I'm sure there are people who would know so much more than I Mm -hmm. do. It's a combination of, indeed, it's your immune system that's suddenly attacking. um, Goes haywire. Yes, yeah. it attacks its, you, it. Itself. Attacks yes, attacks itself. You know, it's returning against yourself in a mm-hmm. way. Uh, and so again, it seems like it might be a combination of uh, of factors of genetics, uh, also the environment. Mm-hmm. Looking maybe at viruses, infection, but they really uh, they're not they're quite, not uh, quite sure. they really don't not quite sure exactly. Right. Um, right. Probably it's a combi- probably a combination, combination of 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 things. Yes,
0: and. It, You know, is there a typical age at which diagnosis Is made or symptoms may come about. Is it men more than women, women more than men? So,
1: demographic. Yeah, it tends to touch mostly uh, women, but Mm -hmm. women of all uh, ethnicity. You know, mostly between the age of twenty and forty. It's very rare to diagnose MS after the age of fifty. But -hmm. you can also have Mm -hmm. pediatric uh, MS here and there. There are a few uh, cases of MS uh, with uh, in children, Uh Uh, but those are. More rare, rare. A rare, yeah, but okay. it can uh, it can happen, and also there is something about the the location. The the further away you are from the equator, the more likely you might have uh, MS. So it tends to affect more of the northern. Um, Part of the uh, hemisphere, you know, the further away you are from the equator, you know, and also more a little bit more white people, Uh but it's, you know, it's uh, yeah. So there might be something to do with the sun, the vitamin D, they're not quite Uh sure. Uh But the further away you are from the equator, the more, you know, uh, prevalent uh, MS uh, is. That would be the correct word. Prevalence increases with uh, latitude.
0: Fascinating! I've never heard about before. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, that's really interesting. So, you know, so we're talking diagnosis is made by sort of a combination of things. Uh, Symptoms are varied person to person can yeah. be very very different and really affects women more than men
1: yes you can still have men with uh, course, ms you know right. but it tends to be, to be more prevalent in in women yeah yeah
0: okay and i think on that note we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about uh sort of different types of, of ms mm-hmm. relapsing relapsing remitten versus progressive and we'll yeah. talk a little bit more about that so everyone stay tuned
5: Join the Metaphysical Center of New Jersey and the Association for Higher Awareness for two exciting events this fall. Live, just minutes from New York City in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. Dr. Judith Orloff will address her bestseller, Emotional Freedom, and Greg Braden will discuss his latest book, Deep Truth Living on the Edge. Are you ready for 12 21, 12? Save the dates. Judith Orloff, October 18th, and Greg Braden, November 9th and 10th. For early bird tickets, visit metaphysicalcenterofnewjersey.org or ahanj.net.
3: Hi, I'm Dana.
5: And I'm Don. We are certified certified mediators. mediators And I
3: am a family and couples licensed therapist and author of Please Don't Buy Me Ice Cream.
5: Our show, New Beginnings, is about helping you and your family recover financially and emotionally and start the beginning of your life.
3: We'll answer your questions on divorce, family court, co-parenting, personal development, new relationships, blending families, and more.
5: Dana and I will bring you to a place of empowerment and belief. That even though marriages may end, families are forever.
3: Join us every Monday starting September 10th at 10 a.m. on
2: TalkingAlternative.com.
1: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
3: A who as bright
5: as the moon and the stars.
0: And welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litze. I'm joined today by Estelle Gallo. She is a physical therapist, certified clinical specialist in neurology. And today we are talking all about multiple sclerosis. So We've covered kind of what it is and the uh, physiology behind it and some symptoms and how it's diagnosed. So in this segment, let's talk about... uh, types of MS. So we have relapsing remitting, which you kind of alluded to earlier. And then we have progressive and, and perhaps there are more. Um, this is not my area of specialty. It's yeah. yours. So I will give you the floor on the types of MS.
1: Yeah. So the most common one, and usually what people start with is what we call relapse remitting. And relapse is when you have an attack and you fully recover from the attack and you go back to your baseline. And that's the remitting.
0: Okay. So, so, so basically you could Wake up one morning and maybe not be able to move or have not visual be, issues, yeah. and then a couple of days later be completely
1: fine yeah, and walking that's, around. That's correct. Yeah. And okay. sometimes, if people really have significant symptoms, that's when usually somebody will go to the sure. hospital at that sure. point. Sure. You sure. Know? Uh, so, that's the first type. Then you have uh, what we call uh, secondary uh, progressive, meaning that for 10, 15 years, you have those attacks, you get better. Uh, And uh, at some point, though, you don't get as better and the symptoms are progressively getting uh, worse. So you don't have this clear cut of attack and fully recovering from the attack is just slowly getting worse. Okay. That tends to be the, the progression. Okay. Uh, after 10, 15 years But again, you know As soon as you establish guidelines You always have exceptions of to course. the rules You know, Of course uh, And then you have uh, secondary progressive Where it's just You know, they don't, they don't have those attacks It just slowly gets The symptoms are slowly getting worse so, yeah. Right from the beginning Right from the beginning Oh, oh you know? boy Yeah, um, and then you have another one Where it's a combination Of relapse remitting And Uh um, primary uh, progressive, mm-hmm. where they have those attacks, but they don't fully recover, and it's slowly getting worse with attacks at the same time. Oh. So yes, so but that's the least uh, common. Least common. Uh, yeah, the most common type again is really. Relapse remitting, you get those attacks, you get better, you get those attacks, you get uh, better. Uh-huh. And you get better either way with medical treatment or, or, or without, you know, or depends time. on the severity. Yeah. Uh, and then ultimately it's going to lead to, you know, worsening of the, of the symptoms okay. over time.
0: And, uh, you know, when you're having the relapsing remittance, a uh, remitting uh, type of MS, are there warning signs to you of maybe when an attack or that relapse may come on or could it just be like snap and, and there, I you know think probably,
1: yeah, they probably, they, they, it probably, you know, you start to have some, some signs and it's mm-hmm. not uh, drastic, but I, again, I think it's all it's depend on, on, yeah, on, on, on patients. Yeah. Hmm.
0: yeah. And uh, so, the relapsing remitting MS will eventually
1: lead to progressive. Pro- probably, yes. That's time. You know, some people will just have it and, you know, they might just experience a few attacks and they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. And especially because medical management is making uh, improvements. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, when somebody has an attack, uh, a lot of time the attack will be medically uh, treated with. Um, corticosteroid to decrease the inflammation because ultimately mm-hmm. you have significant inflammation of your uh, of your uh, neurological uh, system yes. uh-huh. uh, but also what uh, patients are encouraged to, to do more uh, and more, it's to take uh, those drug modifi- uh, modifying uh, agents that are trying to play with the immune system to minimize mm-hmm. the number of attacks and the severity of the attacks mm-hmm. so that overall people with relapse remitting experience less and less, less relapses and, less. and okay. they remain more and more uh, stable Right and that's
0: done through medication Yeah yeah through medication that
1: and that's really something That's more the medical management And yeah. I'm really it's not my fear right, at all right, I'm right. not you know but just to give Some uh, uh, guidelines that Things okay. are getting better mm-hmm. and that's why people Really it's a chronic illness people live With MS mm-hmm. you know it's not like you're not Going to die of MS you're mm-hmm. really living And more and more people have a normal life Expectancy with, uh, with MS But it's a disabling condition so. Sure
0: sure and and that gets into you know this is a lifelong disease yeah, exactly um, with ups and downs yeah, and and yeah. everything else. So how what does the uh, we'll sort of start in this segment and we'll spill over. But yeah. let's talk about the physical therapy intervention. So when does the physical therapist enter the picture? and kind of take us through an an initial evaluation, let's say. So let's sort of start with when does the physical therapist enter the picture?
1: Usually a physical therapist will enter the picture in general when there is a change in functional status. So, you know, patients experience an attack and, you know, it's, they're not able to function as well. Walking is more difficult. Getting up is more difficult. Going up and down the stairs. Is, so there's a change in, in their ability to, to function. That's usually when uh, physical uh, therapy and physical therapists will enter the, the picture in, uh, in the care to try to address those functional limitations. And see what can be uh, what can be done. Mm-hmm. So that will be the the first point.
0: And and are there and I don't know if NYU uh, has this, but are there sort of exercise like group classes for people with MS, regardless of when your diagnosis was made, to kind
1: of. Be more proactive about it, I guess. So, so indeed, that's two two things. Uh, overall, so you have physical therapy when there's a change in, in functional status, mm-hmm. but indeed with MS and like with for all of us, physical activity is is, is, is important, right? So, but with MS, and now we're entering a whole new uh, thing with uh, MS. We talk, we, you know, there are different type of symptoms, but one common symptoms with MS that's a tricky one is fatigue. It's fatigue. Yeah. yeah. So, and you have with MS, you have two type of uh, fatigue. You have primary fatigue, which is really fatigue from MS. It's a neurological type of uh, fatigue. Okay. And then you have a secondary type of fatigue from uh, From, you know, because you're a bit weaker, you have spasticity, so moving becomes a bit harder for you. So because movement is harder for you, Mm -hmm. you're going to get tired as you're moving. Makes sense. And another issue with uh, MS is uh, thermal sensitivity. So they're very, uh, right now, if when you have a very, very hot day in New York City it's in the killer. summer, for those, pe- for those people with MS, yeah. it's really going to be very, very challenging. And usually I recommend my patient just in a cool environment. Don't try to come out. It's going to make you feel a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So heat from the outside and also internal heat, as their body temperature increases, going to make their neurological symptoms uh, worse worse mm. so you can see that as physical therapists and uh, with exercise as well exercise does two things increase your fatigue and increase uh, your, your body temperature body temperature so uh, so, it's tricky. so in, yes because overall you would want them to be active but what makes them better also makes them feel worse mm. so, but there is uh, there is way to address it and there is way for exercise to still be beneficial for um for those patients, but you just need to, so it takes a lot of education to explain to them that indeed we have those two issues. You're tired and you're sensitive to, to heat. But still, it is important for you and like for me to try to maintain regular physical activity because regular physical activity can help you actually manage your primary fatigue and for you to have less uh, fatigue and therefore have slightly more uh, energy Mm -hmm. and keep, you know, your strength, your flexibility, your endurance, so you maintain your uh, independence so it 's like a double edged sword exactly so it takes a lot of uh, education because a lot of those uh, patients will be like, "But this is too hard for me this i 'm just tired, so trying to explain to them that some light exercises can be uh, beneficial uh, for for you. So you do have to recommend regular physical activity, but really explain to them how and giving them some uh, guidelines. Right, right. Sort of when to, when to stop, when exactly. it's okay to push a little bit exactly. more, that kind yeah. of stuff. Because there are ways to go around those uh, issues with, uh, with heat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, for example, you, know, you, you would tell them maybe to exercise more in the morning than the evening because the morning or core temperature is a bit lower. To really also exercise in cool environment, turn on the AC, have a fan. There are also uh, machines that have fans that are incorporated. Mm -hmm. Now more and more, you know, on treadmills you have fans that you can turn on. So there are ways. Also the clothing. Think about wearing light clothes that you know helps to uh, that are helps you to breathe. Exactly, things like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, great, great tips. Yeah, and uh, and then regarding uh, the intensity of uh, exercises, to tell them to moderate uh, intensity of exercise. Don't feel like you're working hard. Just somewhat. Hard right you know? so
0: so maybe you know you should feel like you can talk while you're yeah while that's you're a exercising good way. Yeah. and you can exactly you know, you're not huffing and puffing or yeah, anything like yeah
1: that. yeah okay. and uh also one uh tool that uh, people can use instead of seeing continuous exercises to so use intermittent oh, uh, okay. exercises, so that's a good uh, way to uh, to go uh, about it okay. uh, as well
0: all right, great, great tips, all great tips, okay. So, you know, same, and and I think that you really stressed this during the Parkinson's talk that we had, Mm -hmm. but that patient education and the role of the physical therapist within treatment is a lot of education for the patient. And it sounds like it's the same with MS. It's a lot of education. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess the question is, is when you're first seeing a patient, you know, you're doing your evaluation are you then spending a lot of your time in that initial evaluation talking with the patient? Do you split it up, maybe take a couple of minutes with each treatment session to give all of this educational stuff? Is it in pamphlets?
1: Is it, you know? So, uh, overall, it takes, t- it takes time. You, you don't want to bombard. So, mm. th- usually, the, the first visit, you know, it's my first Time meeting the the person, I'm just trying to establish a contact. And at the beginning, usually I let my patient do a lot of uh, talking to Mm -hmm. let me know a little bit what brings them here, what are their uh, problems, what are their functional uh, difficulties, and also really getting a sense from what is it that they want out of physical therapy Mm -hmm. and what are their goals. What are their expectations? Exactly. What are their expectations and uh, and goals? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the beginning is just talking and me uh, listening. And uh, then after, it's uh, a lot of me observing them uh, moving and doing those functional activities that they have uh, difficulty uh, right, so with. it could be rolling in bed or sitting in bed. Yeah, it could it, be standing yeah. up, it can be walking. Uh-huh. It all depends on how the patient is uh, presenting. Mm-hmm. And uh, then as uh, any uh, physical therapist, you can look a little bit more specific into their range of motion, their strengths, and also seeing if they have a lot of tone because they tend to have a little bit of spasticity Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. So their movement, they legs like the, you know, resist uh, passive movement. So I want to get a a sense uh, uh, for for this. Also, if they have any sensory uh, deficits. So, first I listen, I ask a few questions, then I observe them, and I might do a little bit of uh, uh, test- testing. I don't like to use the word testing, but uh-huh. just checking a few uh, a few balance things. Or, yeah, yeah. Looking, at uh-huh. their, looking at their balance, trying to make sense of how they're presenting. And then, again, I'll do a little bit of uh, talking and explaining uh, my findings and what I'm expecting to do. But all of this takes time, because in addition... Sure. Patient with uh, MS sometimes may have also some uh, difficulty processing information. They might need a little bit more time to understand what I'm explaining to them. So, you know, it again, it takes time, right? So you may sort of break up that explanation. Yeah, over exactly. several Visits yeah, instead yeah. of
0: like you said, bombarding them and probably scaring the
1: exactly. So crap out of them yeah, on
0: the first visit yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll sort of continue on with what physical, how physical. Therapy can help those living with MS, so stay tuned.
2: TalkingAlternative.com. Hi, this is Nancy Tatro from SpeakSpin Radio. Speak Spin Radio is an exploration of the world of communication, how it happens, and how to make it better. Because the quality of your communication has a direct impact on the quality of your life. Tune in Mondays at 2 p.m. on TalkingAlternative.com, where I'll be interviewing experts from business, academia, the arts, and new thought. Join me Mondays at 2 p.m. and get all your communications questions answered on Speak Spin Radio.
5: If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y at MontyTaylor.com. How's your game? Want to improve your performance, focus, and motivation? Then you need Aspire Athletic Consulting.
3: Stop second-guessing yourself. Move your game to the next level. Bring back the fun of the sport. Help your child build confidence and self-esteem through sports. Contact Dale at Aspire Athletic Consulting for a free 15-minute power session to get unstuck today. Your greatest athletic performance is just a phone call away at 801-604-0294 or visit aspireconsulting.vpweb. Motivational coaching for athletic excellence. Aspire to greatness. Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at Talking Alternative.
0: Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by Estelle Gallo, a fellow physical therapist, uh, clinical specialist in neurology through the American Physical Therapy Association. And today we're focusing the show on uh, multiple sclerosis, or MS. And in the last segment, we were sort of talking, Estelle was kind of giving us... uh, a a take on what she does when she sees a patient for the first time. And I thought that there's something that she said that was very, very interesting. And it was when she is first, uh, sitting down with the patient, she's doing a lot of listening, um, Mm Uh, to what the patient is saying and and what are the patient's goals and what are the patient's expectations. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of the conversation that I had on the show last week with uh, Louis Puintendora and part of his CPR for cervical manipulation or clinical prediction rule was um, expectation that the treatment will work. And so over the commercial, we were sort of talking about this, and, and I... And I asked the question, so I'm going to ask this of Estelle now, is when you See a patient for the first time. Do you see a difference in what they can do with physical therapy and and with ADLs, activities of daily living, based on if they have an expectation that the physical therapy will work versus if they come in with the expectation of well, this is what I have and nothing's going to help me.
1: Yeah, no, I think it is very important to have an uh, uh, an idea of your patient's expectation and belief system mm-hmm. um, because you're going to have some. Uh, uh, patient, also, you want to know about their past experience with uh, physical therapy yes, because a lot of important. those patients they've had physical therapy uh, in the past, mm-hmm. so um, and that's why at the end it becomes uh, can be become complex and complicated because you really want to. To hear your patient's side of the story and their belief system, their expectation, uh, what has worked for them in the past, uh, what has not worked for them uh, in the past. Also to differentiate between physical therapy and overall uh, exercise, because sometimes some patients think that physical therapy, they just come to uh, exercise, but also they have to be in charge and understand that they also have to exercise on. On their own And be active uh, Participant And understand that Physical therapy—you're not just passively receiving exercises. You need to—you need yeah. to be an active participant. Exactly. You need yeah. to be so. It, and and it depends on patient's belief system. Indeed, there are some patients who come to physical therapy and they have minimal uh, insight. So here it's going to take a lot more uh, time and education. But education, talking to them, and also for them to experience. Okay, this is what you're going to be doing. We're going to do those exercises. You're going to try to do them at home as well and see how it makes you feel. Does it is it helping you or it's not helping you some people are very proactive and they say this is what's happening to me I fell off the wagon I'm no longer very active I need to be active again I'm just here to get back on, on track of Recovery and, and, and physical uh, activities, and those patients are very uh, easy. You just redesign, give them a few exercises based on their on their needs mm-hmm. and the type of exercises that they like to do because ultimately, since you really want to promote physical uh, activity. There are many, you know, there are many roads that lead to Rome, but there are many, mm-hmm. uh, many answers to, uh, to the questions, you know. There are many forms of exercises. So, in addition of the belief system, you want to hear what type of exercises do you like to do.
0: Right. Because so you m- don't want to give them something that they're not going to like, because ex- ex- then they're not going to do it. Exactly. So, yeah. there
1: are many ways to address somebody's weaknesses in their legs, many uh, ways to improve somebody's uh, endurance. It all depends on what they want to achieve, what they like to, to do. Some people, they like to go to the gym, so I say go to the gym, but some people really don't like don't. to go to the gym, I say, just walk outside. Walk around your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. okay. And if you're getting tired after walking a block, take a break and then walk again for another block. Uh, So you just need to find the the type of exercises that your patient will be uh, compliant uh, Mm -hmm. with. Some people love to do exercises laying down, so I'm going to give them some exercises laying down. Some people are more functional type of exercises. So I say, just go up and down uh, your stairs. That's Mm -hmm. a good way to strengthen your legs or just you know, do some sit-to-stand from your bed or your or your chair. That's a good way to strengthen your your legs. Some people feel I need to use machines, so I say, then you have to go to uh, to a gym or you can buy some weights and use. Right. So again, it's it's finding what type of exercises your patient like to do with their belief system and trying to find something, trying to find that happy medium be- exactly. between what they have, what they can do and what they believe will help them. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause if yeah. someone's
0: like, well, I really feel like the best thing for me is going to be You know, doing exercises, laying down. I think that's where I'm going to get the biggest. You're not going to say, okay, well, then I want you to do squats and I want you to do all this stuff. Because then it doesn't align with what they, their expectations and what they believe will be best for them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: And he, you know, last week, uh, Dr. Puentendora, he called it sort of the placebo. But he doesn't want, because he defines placebo as expectation of benefit, mm-hmm. not because a lot of people think placebo and have a negative connotation.
1: No, you have to take it into consideration. Yeah. It's so important. You know, I, once I had the worker placebo is still the best medicine, but it's not, it's, you, you need to, to use your patient expectation and, mm-hmm. and belief system. Don't, you know, don't, it's, it is important. You need, right. the patient needs to believe that, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna help them. That's going to maximize their, their participation. Sure. Sure. So, absolutely. It is important.
0: Yeah, I, I you know I have a patient uh, with MS, and so she's still you know ambulatory, walking mm-hmm. around and stuff. And she got very interested in doing yoga. Mm-hmm. And so what we started doing were just some simple yoga poses. Sure. And because her expectation that this yoga was really going to help, yeah. It, it it you know there was a difference you know we we were able to see some greater endurance in her muscles and mm-hmm. and walking became a little bit less antalgic I yeah. guess mm-hmm. you know so. So instead of my saying, well, that's great, but I don't do yoga. Yeah, so no. sorry. You know, yeah. you study up and you find out on, on these basic and just very basic poses. I don't pretend to be a yoga instructor. No, no. But,
1: but I think that's but our it, responsibility as physical therapists yeah. to be knowledgeable about different form of exercises because mm-hmm. there are many, many exercises uh, out there and many exercises that yeah. achieve the same goal. So it's right. just finding the exercise that. You're not going to match the goal that you have in mind as a skilled, trained Mm -hmm. physical therapist to address your patient's need, Mm -hmm. but also meet your patient's expectation and, and belief system. So I think this is our responsibility to find, to be the educated professional about exercises and combine those two what the patient actually needs because you know your patient needs more endurance or so your patient mm-hmm. needs to build their strength in their hip extensor muscles mm-hmm. and fine, okay but my patient likes to do yoga so that's then that becomes your responsibility to find okay there is this type of yoga poses that you can do that will address exactly what right, that needs will to give be you done extension yeah, yeah for, and that's for example and that's our responsibility so i think this is where the perfect professional to right. to do this yeah, yeah
0: i agree and again it's it's where those where physical therapists are sort of uniquely qualified yeah. to kind of address Addressed MS And in, in, in all its
1: forms I yeah. suppose you Yeah know? no 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 we're the exercise Specialist yes. in, 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 yes. in a, You know exercise and movement uh, Specialist I would right, say yeah. Right, hmm. Okay so
0: on that note we're going to take a quick Break and when we come back we're going to kind of Wrap things up so everyone stay tuned Talking Alternative Radio
3: 24 Hours a day
5: Join the Metaphysical Center of New Jersey and the Association for Higher Awareness for two exciting events this fall, live just minutes from New York City in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. Dr. Judith Orloff will address her bestseller, Emotional Freedom, and Greg Braden will discuss his latest book, Deep Truth, Living on the Edge. Are you ready for 12 12 Save the dates. Judith Orloff, October 18th, and Greg Braden, November 9th and 10th. For early bird tickets, visit metaphysicalcenterofnewjersey.org or AHANJ.net. Are you
3: suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's two one two seven two one eight one eight three. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you.
0: Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litze, joined today by physical therapist Estelle Gallo from NYU. She's a certified clinical specialist in neurology through the American Physical Therapy Association. And today's show is focusing um, on multiple sclerosis. And, you know, during the break, we were sort of talking about all these other things. And, uh, you know, you realize we could sit here for five hours and Mm -hmm. and we would not be even remotely close to our finishing our discussion. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, this Mm -hmm. is our last session. So we've got about, I don't know, 10 minutes. Oh, Oh, sorry. Seven Seven (laughs) minutes left. Um, so uh, one thing that I do want to talk about and we sort of talked it. we'll just touch on it briefly is, uh, the effects of, of stress and the effects of, of, you know, you're newly diagnosed with MS, you're fearful, your stress level probably goes out the roof. So, um, I think a lot of what Estelle has been talking about and, and education of the patient and stuff can really help de-threaten that, that yeah. diagnosis. It, it, and, yes. and how does that affect, how does the stress and the fear affect the, the MS? I mean, listen. You can
1: go on. For, yeah, can no, go on no. I, Let's just say it has an effect. It, it does have uh, an effect, and uh, you know, whenever you're diagnosed with a new medical condition, it's going to be a source of uh, of stress. And mm-hmm. indeed, stress, you know, is a big magnifier glasses, so it's going to make all the symptoms worse. So mm-hmm. that's why it's so important to control the stress and uh, and uh, and anxiety. And something we didn't touch upon, and we touch upon when we talk about Parkinson, is the fact that MS affects so many systems that. Again, it's good to go to a place where you have a team that's working with you. Mm-hmm and really you have your physician with uh, your neurologist, but you also have physical therapists, you have occupational therapist, you have uh, psychologist, uh, neuropsychologist, to really try to look at the big uh, the big picture because, I mean, here, again, I'm a physical therapist, so the physical aspect of it, but it's not just the physical aspect of it. There's a big emotional, psychological aspect of it, cognitive aspect of, uh, of it as well, so uh, it's, everything needs to to be uh, addressed. Right. So you need uh, a team. You need uh, a team. W- team working uh, with you to make sure that all your needs are uh, addressed. And sure. really, you you look at the big. Picture and the whole person. The whole just person. Just so one. physical
0: therapy is sort of one, one spoke aspect. in the
1: wheel. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. So mm-hmm. you really
0: need a, a sort of comprehensive team to really take oh, care yes. of all
1: aspects of it. Yeah. 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 That definitely is something that I would recommend. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and I think you know Estelle said something that was just amazing <laughs> over over the break, and you know we were saying that MS is not sort of a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Kind of a diagnosis, a presentation, um, and you know, we were talking before about different kind of exercises, but I suppose you can put this even within the whole team that takes yeah. care of. it. and and, and go ahead. I'll kind of have you.
1: Yeah, no, no. It's the idea is that really, again, we uh, because some diagnosis you can say that's cookie cutter, and mm-hmm. here really with uh, MS, it's there is no cookie cutter. But the, the 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 good thing about it is, I think there is more than just one solution to to the problem. So it, you can answer your your patient's uh, problem challenges with many many different ways. So mm-hmm. there are definitely more than just one solution. And that's why it's definitely open-ended. It's not cookie-cutter. It's uh, many things to take into consideration. And again, there are many ways to go about it to address uh, the patient's uh, needs and uh, and challenges. Right. So and again, more than just one uh, solution, that right. which is a good thing. And that's a good thing. And And, you know, we were saying that, we, you know, when someone
0: comes in for that initial evaluation, I think to have a lot of different solutions in your pocket to offer this person based Mm. on their expectations, their beliefs, their symptoms, their abilities, I think is a great way to almost maybe decrease their fear a little bit, decrease that anxiety a little bit.
1: Yeah, especially because those patients want to have some sense of control. So it's Mm -hmm. really important to establish a sense of collaboration that they're part of the team. So ultimately, we're here to provide a service to to help them uh, function better, feel uh, better, and it's really again, it is a collaboration. It's not uh, closed end; it's really open ended. There are many solutions. There are many ways to go uh, about it, and uh, and also to really give some sense of control to to the patient to feel that they really are, you know, it's yeah, it is for them. That's yeah, their body. That's they're, they're they know their symptoms. Of yeah, the
0: body. So to give them some autonomy and control. Of over yes, yeah. their diagnosis is is a you know very special thing to do. Yeah, I think.
1: yeah. And as physical therapists, I think we have the privilege to to be able to do this, to really collaborate with the patient, and to have a little bit of of, uh, of time to to maximize their learning and experience with their exercises and mm-hmm. see if it's beneficial or not, and change accordingly to what's working and not uh, working. Right. And I
0: think that that's you know really no better way to To I was going to say you know what would be your most important take home point and I think that you just said it mm-hmm. you know having that whole team to collaborate and and making the patient and you touched a, upon this earlier Estelle is making the patient an active participant sure, yes, and not mm-hmm. a a, a passive, passive participant. recipient, yeah, yeah. no, recipient. no, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, no. They really have to be uh, active uh, recipient participants in uh, in their the management of their uh, illness, and also for uh, you know, if there are patients out there listening to us, you know, the MS Society is a great uh, resource. You know, the thing is, it is a challenging uh, illness, but there are a lot of uh, resources. you so definitely not on your on your own. There are plenty of uh, things group that have been. Uh, organized to uh, assist uh, those uh, those patients as well. So right. the MS Society, you can go online, their website is a great uh, great wonderful resources out there.
0: Yeah, and they can help with at least I know here in, in the New York area, they can help you with everything from finding the right doctor to support yeah. groups to helping with transportation yeah. considerations, you know, yeah. if if in fact you are wheelchair bound or even mm-hmm. not, you know. Yeah. So they they are a wealth of of information and
1: advocacy as well for for, for you yeah sure, no, no, sure. Very, very, yeah
0: all right now um if people want to get in touch with you mm-hmm. and if they have any specific questions
1: how can they do that they can uh reach me uh, get in touch uh with uh with with, the, me, uh-huh. with you and also i mean uh i can give you my uh email sure. Uh, address sure 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, so you know, and and again, Estelle, it works out of NYU at mm-hmm. the Rusk Outpatient yeah. Center. Um, so if anyone has any questions, they can easily go to the healthy. They could go to Talking Alternative, and they can uh, le- uh, email through there, or they can email me at klitzy, l i t z y at me m is in Mary, e is in Edward. Um, so, thank you all for tuning in today, Estelle. Thank you again for coming on for the show. Me. I mean, I'm going to have to come up with more neurological <laughs> stuff so to keep you, to keep you coming back to the show. I think so. Uh, everyone, thanks for tuning in and stay healthy, wealthy, and
1: smart. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
2: Hi, this is Nancy Tatro from SpeakSpin Radio. SpeakSpin Radio is an exploration of the world of communication, how it happens, and how to make it better. Because the quality of your communication has a direct impact on the quality of your life. Tune in Mondays at 2 p.m. on TalkingAlternative.com, where I'll be interviewing experts from business, academia, the arts, and new thought. Join me Mondays at 2 p.m. and get all your communications questions answered on SpeakSpin Radio.
3: 721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking.
5: This is Tony Martinetti, the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Technology, fundraising, compliance, social media, small and medium nonprofits have needs in all these areas. My guests are expert in all these areas and more. Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, on Talking Alternative Broadcasting.
4: Are you concerned about the future of your business or career? Would you like it all to just be better? Well, the way to do that is through better communication. And the best way to do that is training from the team at Improving Communications. This is Larry Sharp, host of the Ivory Tower Radio Program and director at Improving Communications. Does your office need better leadership, customer service, sales, or maybe better writing or speaking skills? Could they be better at dealing with confrontation, conflicts, and touchy subjects? All are covered here at Improving Communications. If you're in the New York City area, stop by one of our public classes or get your human resources in touch with us. The website is improvingcommunications.com, that's improvingcommunications.com. Improve your professional environment, be more effective, be happier, and make more money. Improving Communications. That's the answer.
5: talkingalternative.com